Welcome to episode number 38 of the Friday Fraudster. Hey, Joe and Kelly, I got a question for you guys. Shoot. What's your favorite kind of cake? Angel food cake. Angel food cake. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. Kelly, what's Either- your favorite kind of cake? Either carrot or our f- good friends make this Alaskan chocolate cake that's crazy good, but you have to have ice cream with it. So carrot, yeah. you don't have to have ice cream with. Ooh. Alaskan, Alaskan sheet cake. That's really good. Yeah. Or Texas sheet cake. Those are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's red velvet. Mm. Oh, and German cake. chocolate. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. So for you guys that are watching us now, let us know what in the world is your favorite kind of cake. We got a lot of people joining us today, uh, you guys. And crab some of them cakes. Are- Love that. Crab Pound- cake. Only how. <laughs> Somebody said, what an intro. That's just the LinkedIn user right now. Oh, that was Sharif. Hey, Sharif. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. And Stephanie likes pie, not cake, which I can get on board with that too. I'm a huge pumpkin pie fan. So I see. That's hey, Stephanie from Seattle. Shree, what is happening? Shree from Houston. Shree, what's your favorite kind of cake? Huh? What's your favorite kind of cake, Shree? Oh, she just told you. Oh, did she? I missed that. Uh oh, I haven't gotten down there yet. Sharif is from Toronto. Got all sorts of. What about Hal? I see. Hell, of course, crab cake. Well, Florida man. What do we expect? Yes. <laughs> Florida man. Hell likes a Florida man cake. Oh. Uh, yes, Shree, German chocolate and red velvet. They are definitely amazing. Pozo, hello from New York. You love some chocolate mousse or German chocolate or carrot cake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'll go on. Wait a minute. Who is this that likes black forest cake? Oh, that's Sharif again. Yep. And Sharif, you say chocolate silk pie? Duly noted. Chocolate silk pie. Thomas, my man, is here. Thomas says, whatever his wife makes. (laughs) He's a good husband. Good answer. Good answer. (laughs) No one said fruitcake. Not one person said fruitcake is their favorite cake. I know. I'm not surprised. (laughs) <laughs> you know what now now Shree rum cake okay rum cake <laughs> love sweets yeah it's hard to yeah. decide nobody else is an angel food cake huh I'm, I'm on yeah, my own nobody. I love that one it's, a, it's like the forgotten cake alright so now you guys you're probably wondering why in the world am I talking about cake For those of you who are regular listeners, you know that we always start the show with something and we bring it back to the topic at hand. Kelly and Joe just noticed no one said fruitcake. (laughs) So here's what I'm wondering. How in the world does a company that sells fruitcake make so much money that about $17 million can go missing and no one knows? Because no one likes fruitcake. Somebody does. Actually, a lot of people around the world do. (laughs) 
it's like a present. Like we used to get it growing up. Like my dad's customers would send it. I, my grandma loved fruitcake and it was like, it was, it was a really special thing. Whereas like chocolate cake or whatever is kind of regular, but you really only think of fruitcake at the holidays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think it's one of those gifts you just got out of tradition because I remember using fruitcakes as doorstops. It was so hard. You just put them on the floor. Bam. That's how you open your door. Keep it open. You know? <laughs> and yeah. Heather, Heather, what's wrong, man? We hope you feel better, Heather. Um, I like, oh, coffee cake. That's a good one. I like Hal's um, the re-gifting of fruitcake because how long... Here's trivia. How long does a fruitcake really last? <laughs> Forever. Forever <laughs> and ever, which makes you wonder <laughs> how anything like that is good for you. <laughs> so there's one coffee cake. Mark likes coffee cake. <laughs> now, Leslie says that her mom loves fruitcake. She even makes them on occasion. <laughs> Could be a generation. Well, you know what? <laughs> Leslie, your mom, now's the time for her to get rich off of her fruitcake because apparently there's a gap in the market because, oh, what the heck. So look, guys, today we're going to talk about the fruity fraud and what the fruity fraud is. These people embezzled a whole ton of money from this company that sold a lot. They, they sell a lot of fruitcakes around Christmas time. But what we're going to do we're going to just show you the trailer because this one is so big that they've actually made a documentary about it on Discovery Plus. Now, Joe has actually watched the documentary. So have I. Uh-oh, uh -oh, so I'm the only slasher. Okay, well. like the day it came out and was like, you have to watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good. And, and this morning, I was supposed to interview the producer, but she's sick. So next week, I will inter interview her for Great Women in Fraud. Excellent. All right. So you guys, oh, wait a minute. Let me do one more thing here, you guys. Bear with me just one moment. Because what we are going to do is we are going to watch the trailer so that you guys can see just how insane this fruitcake fraud is and how insane the fruitcakes are that committed the fraud. I think this is pretty fitting here. All righty. So let's just check out this trailer, my friends. We have volume. Yeah, no volume. Do you have volume, oh, you. Robert? Well, I thought I did. Oh, okay, you got to start it over. Ah. Uh, All right. I'm Bob McKnight. Can you guys hear it now? Ah. Uh, All right. This is what happens when I am mobile. 
<laughs> I mean, as you guys can see, I'm not in my regular location. But as you watch the visuals, what they're saying is the Collins Street Bakery sells a lot of fruitcakes. And these fruitcakes stole from us. And we allowed them to steal from us because we didn't have adequate controls in place. <laughs> so when everything came to light, we were all standing there stunned. She said when everything came to light, they were all just standing there stunned. So it's a it's a small bakery right outside of uh Dallas, Texas. And the total loss was about seventeen million dollars. So I'll just cut this off now since we have no sound and my sound is not working appropriately today. So just FYI, I didn't have Discovery Plus and but I have a Verizon um, unlimited data. You get six months free of Discovery Plus if you do it through Verizon, if you don't have it. So um, just FYI, if you have that Verizon phone plan with unlimited, you get six months free of Discovery Plus. So. Yeah, and that, that trailer, I mean, just take, like, we'll probably, we probably won't take the whole hour today. Like, take five minutes, and like, two and a half minutes and watch the trailer. Just Google it. We'll put yes. it, I'll put it in the comments, because it's really worth watching. Absolutely. And look what I have. Look what I got for my fraud museum. I ordered this this week, and I didn't order a fruitcake, and I feel bad that I didn't order a fruitcake, but, like, you guys know, I... I can't have sugar like that. So, um, uh, so it's, does that come from them though? I mean, they get the revenue. Yeah, it was on eBay. Well, no, yeah. I bought it on eBay. But you know what? I remember these growing up at my grandma's. She kept them. And when we moved her out of her house, we had tons. I could have sold them on eBay because I paid like nine bucks. But oh, it's going boy. to my fraud museum. All right, guys. So let's talk about this for just one moment. Okay. Sandy Jenkins was the controller of Collins Street Bakery. He made off with more than just the fruitcakes, you guys. He stole more than $16 million. So says the FBI. But listen, this is how he used the money. $11 million went on a Black American Express card. Now, look, I'm sorry. For those of you who don't know what the Black American Express card is, it is for the upper echelon, for the people with a lot of money. So if you have a Black American Express card, that means that you have a lot of money. So the controller had a Black American Express card. Okay, $1.2 million at Neiman Marcus in Dallas. It's so bad what they're reporting is that this couple, he and his wife, single-handedly kept Neiman Marcus in business because they purchased $1.2 million worth of stuff. 532 luxury items, including 41 bracelets, 15 pairs of cufflinks, 21 pair of earrings, 16 furs, 61 handbags, 45 necklaces, nine sets of pearls, 55 rings, and 98 watches valued at three and a half million dollars. Joe, you were about to say something. Oh, no, I just love the fact that in the documentary, the Neiman Marcus salespeople said that they ran out of things to sell them. <laughs> so, like, well, just... And their personal shopper gave them the nicknames, Cupcake oh. and Fruitcake. Yep. yep. Like, oh my God. It was so crazy that um, 
she liked this light blue color of Lexus, a special blue color of Lexus. And the car dealership where they would buy cars from said when they needed an oil change, they'd just buy a new car. But she would keep it in the same color so people wouldn't realize it was a new car. She was mm -hmm. the smarter of the two. Now, I'm going to say parking lot audit. And I'm also going to say, not for spoiler alerts, but he had a guy come into the office with a briefcase that was handcuffed on him. If you have an employee who, like, okay, first off, if you have a personal shopper come to your own employment, I think there might be an issue. Like, unless you're the CEO, not a $50,000 a year employee. And like, I love the fact that this victim came forward and did this documentary and there's going to be a Will Ferrell, like big Hollywood one. I love the fact the victim came forward. Um, but there were moments in it and I was like, oh my God, you guys, your, your controller, look, come on. He's like insane. So it now, is. Kelly, yes. for those who watch that don't know what a parking lot audit is, talk about that for a minute. All you have to do is look outside. Does the car match the salary? There you go. And what yeah. kind of car did this man drive? Every car. He had a Rolls <laughs> Royce at one point. He had, right. I mean, literally every, like, all sorts of cards. And I put in the chat a link to, I don't know why I would link to it. No, it's a fraud fighter podcast by Robert Nordlander. And he interviews the AUSA who did the case, who's now in private practice. And it was really good. So it's worthwhile to listen to if you like podcasts. And now, Joe, I cut you off a couple of times. Who were you about to say? I'm so sorry. I don't even know. I'm, I'm just, I loved every part of this. <laughs> but I'm with, I mean, what you were going to say, Robert, is that it's amazing to me that they didn't know that this was happening under their noses. Like, and what Kelly said, like, they're so likable. And when you watch, if you guys watch the documentary, like you're going to leave there just loving this CEO, like just nicest, genuine guy in the world. But like, you're just going like, how did you not know? Like for years, the, the bakery's not making money and everybody's talking about it. Yet this guy is having somebody come in with a with a briefcase handcuffed to his arm to show him watches. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, but wait, the list of things gets even better. They had a wine collection with the uh, approximately valued at $50,000 a Steinway electronic piano. So if you don't know what a Steinway is, a Steinway is like, the, it's one of the better piano brands, one of the best piano brands out there. The Steinway was $58,500, but guess what? It was it was an electronic Steinway. It wasn't even a, anyway, we won't even go there. For those who know about pianos, we won't even go there. 223 trips on private jets, primarily to Santa Fe, New Mexico, Aspen, Colorado, Napa, California, amongst other places. Now, the total cost of those private jet trips totaled $3.3 million. And they had 38 vehicles, including many Lexus automobiles, a Mercedes-Benz, a Bentley, and a Porsche. This is just one of those stories, and I think they may have said it in the documentary. Like, you can't, I think the FBI agent said it. You can't make this stuff up. You like can't. That over the top, 
that like it's almost like you're just sitting there going like like you know how does this happen like it's clown money they were spending clown money no yes. but wait but wait it had to be a sophisticated scheme though right it had to be something very complicated that they were doing right we're gonna we're gonna now tell everyone how complicated <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Hal, Hal said it first. Wire fraud. Yeah. Oh, God. God. Actually, it didn't end up being mail fraud because they actually mailed payments across state lines. I think you're right. Actually, yes. mail fraud. Maybe not. Well, the wife Gage. got money laundering. The wife oh, ended yeah. up having to plead to money laundering. Gabe is hilarious. Gabe said that the Steinway is the Rolexes of pianos. But hey, Thomas. So Thomas said, but she had no clue her husband was doing anything wrong. No, Thomas, she was in on it with him. They were I like the bonding. Being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I know he is. But but yeah, they were like the Bonnie and Clyde of fruitcakes. You know what was, um, and I'll see if I can find it um, and post it in the comments, is they interview in this documentary a, a, a friend he had growing up. And I mean, honestly, the like forensic psychologist and everything like this, this guy needed a friend. Like, I, I mean, and apparently he was, I won't say the word or the initials by his wife. Like he did everything to make her happy. And she just was a miserable, unhappy woman. Like, I mean, he might've done it, but I actually think she probably pushed him. Yeah, well, I, you know, it was a combination, right? Because I mean, they they do that friend, right? They say how he just he always wanted, and he got that from his mom. Like he always yeah. wanted the best things. Like even his mom, like had a personal shopper, and it's like you know. So it was about like how he, his impression of what he needed to do, which I thought was really like the social norms. But I agree. Like I mean, she obviously threw him over the edge, and expected so much and the picture of them i mean they just look like again this is like normal every day there you go i knew rob had it but i mean those do not look like the type of people i bet everybody on here is gonna be like what again not bad guys don't look like bad guys no, and the people were became unemployed there weren't raises they're like again this is the crime on main street i mean truly main street in corsicana texas yep all right so let's talk about how they did it one part of how he did it because you guys need to hold on tight because this is an elaborate fraud scheme that is so sophisticated and complicated <laughs> that it's going to blow your mind <laughs> what that's funny. I, I mean, okay. So here's one example of what he would do. So he would print out a, a, a printer check to his personal credit card company. Then he would void that check in the accounting system, but he kept that check. Then he would go and generate a second check for a legitimate vendor, but then the second check was never mailed. So in the accounting system, it looked like he made an error in the vendor and then it looked like a legitimate check went out, but he actually cashed the illegitimate check that went to himself so that it would look right in the accounting system. And so he paid his credit card bill, but General Ledger never reflected the payment to the to the correct vendor. 
So that I mean that was pretty much how he did it. And I I want to give like a huge shout out. And I've sent her an invite. She has not accepted my connection on LinkedIn. I think her name is Semtrick. Um, she was the young black woman that you saw on the trailer in a nice oh, red dress. Yeah. You know, hashtag never underestimate a woman. She's the yeah. one who did it. Like she found it. They, I, yeah. I kind of want to joke that like they probably tried to hire McKinsey or Bain or some accounting firm to find out <laughs> where the money was. And all they had to do was ask the employee to dig. And she found it almost instantly once, you know, yeah. Yeah, she found one, what, payment to Capital One or some some yep. bank that they don't even use. And she was like, why are we, why is there a big check to this credit card company? And then she just went from there. Like, I I literally think, I mean, she's the hero. She's, oh, yeah. She's totally the hero. I bet she's a hero. I bet they have statues of her in the town. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need a field trip to Corsicana. Oh, my God. Don't ruin my idea. I'm oh, have a road trip. Sorry, road trip. Field road trip. trip all across all across the country. I had, <laughs> I had this like after we did Elizabeth Holmes last week. I had this urge to like road trip to San Jose and just like be outside the courtroom. Like I just I wanted. We need to do this sometime, guys. Like we really do. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have fun with this in 2022. Yeah. Maybe we'll have Friday Fraudster on the road. Oh, Gabe said Corsicana is 30 minutes from where you are now. Wait, Gabe, where well, are you? Dan Ramey, who's a lot on this a lot of times, he stops there. And then didn't Tom say he, they stopped there? Yeah. That's, that's you, I think. Yep. Yeah. Ah. Well. Very interesting. Broad field trip. Hashtag. New, new oh, hashtag. God. Oh, broad I got to put that in. That's broad awesome. Field. Yep. Yep. Seriously. Um, and Benita just told uh, me that you and her, Kelly, have been talking about her field trip to our fraud retreat in Denver. In, and I oh, hope yeah. we have field trips too. So yes. everybody needs to fraud field trip in August of 2022. To see By the way, Gabe, my man, I'm in Dallas right now, man. I'll be here for a little while. So I'll, we'll you get into it. You should have done this outside of the, the bakery. Rob, what were you thinking? Oh, how far are you from there, Robert? Really? Probably not that far, actually. I need to map it out. I'll take some pictures. I'll take some pictures. I'll go yes. to the bakery and take some pictures. Yes. <sighs> yes. Okay. All right. So, so now, so now, we know that this sophisticated fraud scheme was just second to none and was, you know, done by some geniuses, just some true geniuses. A man of genius he was. I'm thinking, again, reconciliation. Every show, it's segregation of duty or reconciliation. No one was preparing the clear checks to the general ledger at all. Because that well, would have... Yeah. He had so, everything. Right. I mean, that's the bottom line. Like they say that in the documentary, too. He had he did everything. Now, Hal <laughs> says I'll be selling fruitcakes in the merch store soon. Hal, don't tempt me. Audit fruitcakes. 
<laughs> and fraud across America, fruitcakes served on the tour bus. Oh my God, that's awesome, Pozo. That yeah. is so good. Why did I miss that? Yeah, Pozo comes up with some good stuff. I just didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So can we talk about once they got caught, what they did? Because to me, that was like the most intriguing part of the story. Um, and I want to give props to the, what was it, off-duty campus police officer in Austin, Texas. So let's let's move towns here. <clears throat> because what he had a, the fraudster, had a daughter in Austin. And so they drove to Austin once they like kind of knew they were on to them and they were getting caught. And they took a lot of the jewelry and they did something with it. Um, I don't know who wants to talk about that. Kelly, you want to talk about that? Throwing them in a pond. I'm not calling it a lake. It's a pond. Oh my God. They were throwing, he was throwing like $30,000 watches in a pond. And so an off-duty campus police officer stumbles upon all this jewelry on the side of the pond starts digging they start like they show pictures of like what they found and you know this is where you know i teach ethics right and i always ask that question like, what if you find something on the ground what do you do with it and you know i give options like do you put it in your pocket do you keep it do you you know find someone turn it in and this to me is this is the character choice that we all have in life and i i wanted to give props to them because there aren't very many people that would have turned in I mean, it turned out to be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of watches and jewelry in that lake that they that this guy and his friend turned in. And obviously they found more. They what they said they threw some in a trash can, Kelly, or something like a seventy five dollar yeah. watch in a trash can. Like unbelievable just to what get rid of the evidence, I guess. But and he said later he had no clue why he did it, right? So and it was pretty funny because, you know, apparently they would fly once in a while directly to Austin and it's like a three hour drive. Like no one flies there unless you're fancy pants. Um, but I don't think that Sandy Jenkins knew that the ACFE is headquartered in Austin, Texas. Hashtag I irony. Um, yeah, it's just it's kind of like. It's That's just funny. crazy. Yeah, it's funny. But yeah, so that's how they tried to get rid of the evidence, guys. That was my favorite part because you're just baffled that they would just, that they do that. And here is my second favorite part. Let's so back to the Kay Jenkins, the wife commentary, you know, and how, you know, even Thomas said she had said at first she didn't have any, she didn't know about it. She didn't know how much the jewelry was worth that he was bringing her. And it's like lies, 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 because what did they find in their closet? was her notebook with every piece of jewelry and the amount of the jewelry, how much it was worth. And I think Kelly, you know, has brought this up before that like fraudsters keep good records of stuff, like amazingly yeah. enough. So I thought that was kind of a twist too. Well, yeah. And you're just like, you know, this couple, and um, I don't think we want to give a spoiler alert at the end, except for the fact you guys should buy fruitcakes. I mean, it's cute at the end. I thought, I thought Celia did a really nice job at the end, kind of leaving it on a high note, you know, the peak end rule effect. Um, but like <laughs> the, the craziness of it. And again, 
a $50,000 a year employee. Like, come on. Like this. And they're like, where's all of the money going? Like, Jesus, look at, I mean, no victim shaming at all, but it's like, look in your own. Yeah. Just data analytics. I don't know who they hired to like find their processes. Oh, are we paying more for pecans? Like they said they looked far and wide for where they were losing and Symmetric, or I think your name's Symmetric, just like, oh, look at this. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the FBI recovered $4 million worth of um, stolen goods. Yeah. yeah. And they, um, they actually had an estate sale at their house, which is actually really funny to watch in the documentary because the CEO of the fruitcake of Collins Street Bakery goes to the estate sale. And he's like walking around talking to people, telling them to buy, you know, whatever they can, because I mean, they're going to get, this is the money that they're going to get. Right. You know, this is it. But, but they also talk about how tacky the stuff was in their house and they show, you know, images of that. So it's, I'm telling you, it was, it was entertaining. And I mean, my, my husband, who's a diesel mechanic, found this documentary entertaining you guys so like that if that shows you like it's just not us auditors that are dorks that like this stuff so well and in the podcast that robert nordlander's podcast the thing that i thought was really interesting that he said they asked about accountants or forensic accountants and the ausa said it's not just about the numbers it's connecting the dots to the numbers and that's where it goes to like the lifestyle and the parking lot audit like if and and they were just looking at the numbers like the business was looking just at the numbers and it's like no and so he says he likes to work with you know agents who are a little more creative or curious i think he said just um because it does like everything can tie out, but it still doesn't make sense. Which is what, you know, I know Robert and I talk about, this is auditors. This is, this is what auditors need to do. Look beyond the numbers. We've said this so many times because it's like incentive plans. It's not about recalculating the incentive and making sure it was paid right. It's making sure you're incentivizing the right thing. And I think that's where we miss the boat a lot of times. And so, you know, I think this, that's, I mean, that's perfect, Kelly, because this is why auditors need to not just be accountants. They need to be, you know, behavioral psychologists. They need to be communications majors. They need to be, you know, so many other things because then you're going to get to these issues quicker. And I just, yeah, I think that's a perfect, perfect way to describe it. Well, and, you know, since you mentioned that, I, I say all the time that auditors should study psychology. And actually, the next episode of Audit Bites, my auditing podcast, that is the actual title of it. Five, three reasons or five reasons why auditors should study psychology. Because it's that human interaction. It's there's so much more to it. I cringe every time I see a job posting for an internal auditor and they say CPA required. I just cringe because I'm thinking, oh, boy, the numbers aren't really what you're going to look at that's going to have a big impact, uh, not from the standpoint of actually having to have a CPA license. So, 
Right. And I, you know, I've been harping on auditors a lot lately, especially during our C word COVID times, right? Uh, that we do need to look at the financials more than we have. We're operational auditors. If they're good, too good to be true, but it's about going backwards from there. What is happening behind the scenes? What, you know, what is the cost cutting behavior? What is the potential for manipulation? You know, what, what policies have changed? How are we, you know, dipping into those cookie jar reserves? Like it's not the numbers, it's the actions behind the numbers. You know, we, I don't, I mean, I'm never going to say like internal auditors should ignore the financial statements. I will never say that, but it's about getting to what's behind that that I think is important. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, soapbox. Go soapbox. Now, so, now you health, know, oh, oops, sorry. Go ahead. Hal says he's never eaten a fruitcake, but will never look at them the same again. But now Pozo wants to know, how was a controller making 50K a year? And Kelly's in the chat and Kelly says yes. Yeah, well, isn't that? Family business. I mean, this is, I mean, this is the, the, I mean, family business that's obviously done very, very well <laughs> over the decades. But, you know, it was never the rationalization that he didn't make enough that that's why he did this. I don't think, Kelly, was it? Like, I don't, you know, they were, everybody there is just, was very happy to be working there. So, um, I don't know. It, it's kind of, that, that to me, what makes this one even more unique. That it wasn't like he wasn't mad at them. He didn't want to get back at the CEO. Like it wasn't that anger. Um, in yeah, this, he had I the childhood stuff. Yeah, he had. And look at like Nathan Mueller. If you um, listen to any of Nathan Mueller's stuff, he's like, I always felt like we were the poorer family. And you know, I mean, people have issues with money. And obviously, Sandy Jenkins did. And again, short-term thinking. Oh, if I buy that watch for my wife. She's going to be nice to me and I won't even go to where it could go. Um, so they think that that, that <laughs> physical thing. Robert, I just got where you're going with that. It just hit me where you're going with that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that they think short term that, you know, that, that it's going to make them happy. Like the woman who stole from the Acura dealership. She's like, I wanted to see what happiness looked like. I can show you dirt poor people who are happy and I can show you, I just finished succession last night for the season, which my husband wouldn't watch with me. Those are the most miserable people on the planet, miserable, unhappy people on the planet. So, but again, we have a society that rewards, you know, bling. Yeah. Well, but I think you say it all the time though, Kelly, usually when there's money stolen and when it's a man, it's usually, uh, divorce, child support, or well, trying to keep the wife happy. And uh, Neiman Marcus, I don't know too many men who really want to shop at Neiman Marcus, just to be honest. Just, you know. Come on, yeah. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, some people did question where they got the money. And again, it's one of those, you know, Rita Cronwell, there was kind of vague stories. Always um, had an yeah. 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 So and whether it was inheritance, right? That was like inheritance or he he bought and sell, sold cars, you know, and did really well on it. You know, there was always a story. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, obviously these people 
don't live by our motto, trust, but verify. They live by the motto, trust. Trust, that, trust, trust. That, that's what, you know, came up at the very beginning of the documentary was all about, um, you know, this is our family. This is our, our family business. Everybody that works here is a family. They just, they would have never even thought to look inside. I don't think. I mean, if I, if the CEO even had someone coming in with the handcuffed briefcase and they were like not giving raises, laying people off, I think that, um, I think you would have a problem if, even if you're the employee seeing the CEO seeing, coming in with that handcuffed briefcase and all this is going on, talk about tone deaf and just like, that's crazy. I, I mean, I'm going to say I'm not going to work for someone who, you know, do that crap at home. Like if you really, but he was showing off. No, he shouldn't have been. Oh boy. So you guys, Clarence says, uh, not related, but he was watching a uh, webinar yesterday with Richard Chambers. And he had a slide that said that auditor and accountant jobs will be on the decline in the future along with some other jobs. And he was like, no way. Uh, he said he just does not believe it. And then uh, Gabe wants to know, will we ever cover the fraudsters, Jim Baker and his wife, Tammy Faye? I haven't watched that. Um, what is it? The eyes or something? The eyes are smiling. The Tammy Faye documentary, but I've been wanting to. So, um, but it's a little, yeah. Um, and he said, "Inter data." Okay, well, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Every... So, Hallis, yeah, Hal is saying that Richard was saying that in turn, advisors, data analytics, and those kind of jobs will increase. That that makes sense uh, because you can, yeah. Uh, traditional. Uh, I, I think that goes along with what we were just saying, though. Like really the fact that auditors need to be better at what they do. They need to be different at what they do. You know, so, you know, I always, I always say the best auditor out there is trying to work themselves out of a job because yeah. you want the company to be better. You want to consult with them on how to be more efficient and improve their operations. And, and I think that's where Richard Chambers is coming from too. And to me, it's not, that we as auditors aren't going to exist. It's that we do need to shift what yeah. we're looking at, what we're doing, how we're truly adding value. Um, and I, you know, I don't know about accountants. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that like really thinks that accounting should be the easy stuff at an organization. The numbers are what the numbers are, but mm -hmm. what the problem is, is that's not what happens because we know that even us gap is not black and white. There is ways to fudge estimates and use those cookie jar re reserves and and all of that. So, you know, I just I still think it's just a matter of the skills need to be different in the same jobs. The skills and the activities need to shift to match what's going on in society today. Well, the jobs we have in five years haven't even been invented yet. Think of like social media 10 years ago. What I know. So. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. And, and lots of jobs will, will be gone. Lots of jobs definitely will be gone, but they'll, you know, new jobs will pop up like All podcast right. host. You okay. guys want to see the FBI photo of the watches? Yes. Did you find it? Well, I found it. Well, darn it. On there the it video. is. There we go. Yeah, yeah, there. 
Darn it. What yeah. happened to it? There we go. There he is. Yeah, I mean, the watches were crazy. I mean, this this whole story is just crazy. It's almost over the top, right? And I think that's why the FBI, FBI agent, I mean, she was kind of, she was really good in the documentary. She's like, I want this case. Like, and she said, you can't make this stuff up. So. Yeah. You really cannot. You cannot nope. make this stuff up. All right. So, guys, the fruity fraud. Apparently, fruitcakes are big business because somebody was able to steal $17 million from this fruitcake company and they didn't realize that it was gone. So the question becomes, who are the real fruitcakes here? Yep. And it's like most of our episodes, segregation of duties, trust but verify, reconciling accounts. Uh, we're beginning to sound like a broken record, but uh, I don't know. Groundhog Day. Yeah, it really does feel that way. Now I want to take a trip to the bakery. I wonder if it's still open. Oh yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah. I think you should go. It's I bet it's, it's open like it. It's like a third generation. I think they're on. Oh wow. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna yeah. find it. And this time of year, I mean, that's I mean, that's why I wore my ugly Christmas sweater, you guys, because it's ugly National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. I don't know if you guys knew that, but um. Did so not know that. time of year, I think this is just such a timely, timely one to talk about. And I think you need to go visit and buy a fruitcake. Robert. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think I just might. Hey, so Kelly, tell them. I think you already told them, but tell them again. Next week, Great Women in Fraud, who are you interviewing? Well, so it will drop like in two weeks, but I'm interviewing the producer who made the documentary, Celia Anaskovich. And I was supposed to interview her this morning at 10, but she got sick and let's hope it's not Omicron. Um, so, but I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, you know, I sent her a nice thing and she immediately connected. And I said, I know you're going to be busy, but blah, blah, blah. And she was like, absolutely. She's so she's on LinkedIn. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating because I put that article in the chat. She felt like she was kind of adopted by the, the, company i mean yeah yeah <laughs> wow so but next week i'm having um ooh, i think it's ellen hunt i think that's the schedule and oh. um she is so good oh my god she is so good i mean everyone on great women in fraud is so good so um but ellen hunt and then hopefully the week after that it'll be celia but i might have a break due to the holidays ah okay so now joe Yes. Sir. Everyone needs a fraud retreat in their life. Everybody does. But can I plug something else really quick with you guys first? Because I have decided to do total quality auditing next year again, which will be the fourth year. And so this was kind of a big decision for me. You know, I did this pre webinars being a thing. So I, you know, it was kind of like, oh, do I do it another fourth year? But uh, go to totalqualityauditing.com. Um, I know Benita is a huge supporter. Uh, I think she had to leave, but um, it's it's going to be a really, really, I think, good year uh, next year. And I think it all it's only better the more attendees I get, like you guys. So check it out because that's I don't that's what my like main goal right now is to get the best group of attendees on for 2022 there. So 
Anyway, if you're an internal auditor that wants to know how we can do some of the things we just talked about, be better consultants, be better at adding value. Join us next year because it's going to be fun. And then join Kelly, Rob, and I at the Fraud Retreat next year in August. That's fraudretreat.com. So anyway, that's it. Fraudretreat.com. Hey, you know what? I got nothing today. No, you know what? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> two of my two of my one-hour courses are now on sale again for 50% off. So if you want to have a course on active listening or on how to influence while auditing, go to my website. You know what? I do have a surprise, a surprise. Coming next year, we will have an app in the Apple App Store and in the Android App Store. That audit guy will have an app in the App Store that you can download and take us in your pocket. I love it. What a cool thing. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, this has been fun. The chat has been a little bit quiet. I think everybody's full from eating fruitcake. Uh, <laughs> and we've actually had a lot of people on today. I was looking at the numbers. There's been a lot of people on today, but you guys have been real quiet. So I'm wondering, are you just stunned by how sophisticated this fraud <laughs> was today? God. This is you know, we've got, got to make it funny because this is just, this is sad at some points, you know. But it All gives right. us something to talk about. Yeah. We will and never be unemployed. No, we won't. We'll never be unemployed because fraud happens everywhere. But we are taking next Friday off. So happy holidays to everybody. It is Christmas Eve for those of you that celebrate uh, Christmas. So happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to everybody. And we'll see you maybe on New Year's. New Year's Eve. We're talking about it. The 31st. Maybe. But we will run a repeat episode next Friday. Maybe a best of, maybe just a repeat. So tune in and join us for the fun. And somebody was listening while Stop in me. a work meeting. How did you do that? Wait a minute. I need to go back to my phone and see who this is that said this. It was Stephanie. Oh, it was Stephanie. Oh, okay. Awesome. Talk about multitasking. <laughs> you were probably I yeah. I don't know why Stephanie's now just showing up as LinkedIn user. She used to show up as uh, Stephanie. And Heather says she will be available for the 31st. Awesome. All right, you guys. So next week, we'll get a best of, and then possibly we'll see you on New Year's Eve. And until then, thank you.